0: The Sports Crib Podcast, episode 350. The benefits of thinking differently with a purpose in sports and business. and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the SportsCrib Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. And look, I want to say a massive, massive thank you to you. Yes, you. This episode is a massive milestone hitting 350 episodes. Um, for me, this has been a real joy doing this for eight years. And whenever I reach these sort of milestones, it always brings back the memory where this idea came from outside a train station called Byflick and Newhall in England of creating a resource where people can learn from today's best industry, practitioners, experts in the sports industry. So this journey wouldn't be without you and your support listening to the show. So I have to share this with you because that's what motivates me each week to show up and create these podcasts where we can all learn from others and learn from each other as well of how we can be better sports injury professionals around the world. So I just want to take the moment to say thank you to you, because without you tuning in, us as like a content creator or a podcaster, it drives that fuel to keep going and certainly not give up. But as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can inspire and educate you to be the best sports injury professional. I hope today's episode can support your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is Daniela Bass, who has a fascinating career journey, starting in broadcasting, then ending up working for the United Nations for over 12 years. And now currently, she is the president and founder of Sustainability Advisory Boutique, where in this conversation, we'll be talking about how the benefits of thinking differently with a purpose in sports and business can influence positive change through policy for that reason it's such a joy to have her on the show have a listen and enjoy danielle it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show please you share to your listeners your sports and leadership career journey when did it all start
1: First of all, Ed, thank you for inviting me to your amazing podcast. I know that you are very much into um, youth and helping youth uh, through sport and sport helping youth uh, to achieve good results in their life. And so I'm very proud, uh, really proud uh, to be part of this conversation today. now i used to be a young person i'm not that young any longer but in my spirit so your question well i always loved people as far as i remember and i have always been curious about humanity and people and cultures and different customs and religions and uh, um, so this curiosity act and i always loved communicating and, and sharing uh, knowledge or whatever. So these two things combined together, pushed me towards um, the world of communication. And um, and so I studied political science, <clears throat> sorry, international politics. And uh, I, I have learned a few foreign languages, because you know, to communicate, uh, that's important. And then later on, I will tell you briefly about also my career as a journalist, uh, although I became more specialized in radio broadcasting and television broadcasting as a journalist, um, while journalists for the press have a completely different uh, mental setting, you have different techniques, although I wrote also for the press. Um, but this is a parenthesis of my life. Actually, this love of meeting people and sharing with people after my studies in political science, international politics, um, well. I, I thought, what can I do uh, to, to really explore the world? And the United Nations offered me that opportunity. So immediately after my graduation, I was very lucky. It's a long story. I will skip how I got there, but I, I got there at the United Nations in Vienna. That's where I started my career. After 10 years, I left to the United Nations between Vienna and Geneva, and I have done other things in my life back to Italy. And one of these was to work for, for um, two major um, Italian radio stations. One is RAI, like uh, sort of the BBC in the UK. And, uh, and the other one is Radio 24, del Sole 24 Ore. It's like saying uh, the radio station of the Financial Times. Okay, so two major big, big ones. And this last one actually was uh, focuses on economy and finance. And so I said, okay, what can I say there? Because my, my interest has always been to, to talk about people and promote the well-being of people and the planet. So I thought tourism, tourism is a good topic because uh, tourism has to be inclusive. Tourism is for everyone and tourism is a huge industry. And so there I could find a hook to talk about not so much finance and economy, but how this industry, if it is really welcoming everyone, um, including persons uh, who are older, persons who have a disability, women who are pregnant, obese people too. So in any case, anyone who might have um, a temporary or a permanent reduced mobility, even those who have allergies have difficulties in traveling as tourists. So there are solutions there too. Um, And then a friend of mine told me, well, you have such an amazing international experience. Why don't you go back to the international world? And so to make a long story short, after having worked for and supported as an advisor, one of the four vice presidents of the um, European Union a few years ago, he then was um, elected and uh, nominated, appointed minister of foreign affairs in Italy. He asked me to follow him there. So I worked at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, also on issues related to human rights, blah, 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 the presidency of the Council of Ministers while I was still working as a journalist. And then one day, it was May 2011, I got a call from the United Nations in New York. And so I left Italy and went to live in Manhattan until very recently where I headed the Division for Inclusive Social Development in the Department of Economic and Social Affairs. And that's where sport got into my life.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to decode a little bit of this. Firstly, reflecting how has curiosity and communication really benefited your development, but also the different types of work you've done along the way? Because I want the listeners to learn that curiosity is such a skill. Even I've learned this on this podcast show, but... I just want to tap in a bit more detail of the real benefits of being curious with regards to our career development.
1: Being curious, it means that, well, we all love to, to, to be heard, not just to listen. When we talk, we like people to hear us, what we're saying, and that requires us some empathy. So empathy is part of being curious. That is to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. And I think that really triggers then something amazing that is connecting. Curiosity can have different aspects in different dimensions. This is one that belongs to communication. Um, Another one is to be able to listen. Communication doesn't mean only to talk. We communicate when we listen. Uh, there I'm not that good i still i'm <laughs> still work in progress. Give me a mic, and I can't stop talking um but but as a leader um i i I think I developed even further the ability to listen because um particularly when we're dealing with people um with different backgrounds uh, either from the uh, the same country we belong to or people who come from different countries, um, then only by being curious to learn about their cultures and their experiences of life um, and uh, the habits and values of the countries they come from, uh, then we can establish this bridge of tolerance and understanding. And so curiosity can lead us there too uh in the uh and um and uh yeah these are some examples of, of curiosity but empathy indeed uh, uh it is a soft skills we are born with uh, but with some basic training or sometimes we just needed to understand what empathy means
0: i really love that point by the way sorry to interrupt. i think the empathy bit is the glue for the communication and curiosity so i'm so glad you've said it in that way but even for me listening to you because uh by the way dan and i met at sporting turkey week which was almost a year ago and without a doubt through our conversations it was empathy driven then more than curiosity driven so i'd love to hear your thoughts of what i've just said there because i think that's a really important point for the listeners to learn when starting their new job starting new opportunities Yes, yeah, so I see you nodding your head. But anything you want to add to that? Because I'm just, I just want the listener to use like, use this to their advantage. That was all.
1: You know, Ed, if I go back to when I was younger, uh, I imagine that your audience is also an audience of younger people. Mm, Self confidence. You know, adults do not expect us to know it all. They have been young too. They know that when they were younger. They didn't know everything. So just go relaxed for interviews or whatever, because whoever is interviewing you, if you're looking for a job, for instance, this person knows that you can't know everything. You're still junior. But what it is appreciated actually is to see that you're confident enough to know that you don't know everything and that you're there to learn and um, to ask questions, part of curiosity, um, listen, listening, because it means that you are also one of those people who are willing to and humble enough to acknowledge that you're still in the learning process. And we all are until we our last breath, okay, in any case. Um, so self-confidence in that sense, I would recommend to to be humble. But self-confident, it doesn't mean to be arrogant. You know, some people think that if you are self-confident, you have to be arrogant. No. Uh, actually, that shows me how strong you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't
1: believe. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, being humble, confident enough that if you don't know something, you can learn it. Um, and curious as well. Curious about the company you want to go to, to work for, if it is a company, uh, and to know more how what you can bring there to them. Because one might lack working experience, but might be, I don't know, incredible in problem solving or have other soft skills that are very important for the job you're applying to that are not necessarily um, hard the skills.
0: Exactly. And I'll, now I'm going to t- last thing with this part, that first question, and it relates to that you enjoy working with people just from a journalist standpoint. Would you provide any guidance tips of where to start? Because a lot of my podcast guests who were, who work in radio or there are pundits, they all started writing and then they transitioned into radio, then transitioned into television. I just would love to hear your thoughts if it was a similar pattern or you went with your strengths first in the areas of journalism. I'm just curious on that side.
1: I, I think it was a mix. Um, I, al- As I said, uh, since I was a kid, I wanted to work for the media and in the media. Um, I, at the age of six years old, when I was six years old, I got a cancer pre- pressing on the spine and uh, that caused paraplegia. So I'm 62. So, you know, half a century ago when it comes to certain kinds of disabilities, even nowadays, uh, there weren't many opportunities. I was very lucky. I could go to school. I could attend university in spite of architectural and and cultural barriers. Um, But because I always loved people, I enjoyed interacting with people. So communication started there, making others feel comfortable When they were with me. So that after a few moments, they were not looking at the wheelchair any longer. They were seeing Daniela. And that's part of how you communicate, even with a smile, with a gesture. Okay. So it started from there. And then I remember it was a lady, Alison Walsh, I think her name is. Uh, She used to work for the BBC. I met her in a during a conference. I was talking about tourism. And later on, she invited me to a conference on tourism for all that was um, um, organized in London. And a few years later, she remembered me and she spoke about me to Channel 4. And Channel 4 back in the 90s, probably still has, I don't know, had a, a series of, broadcast, of, of television um, documentaries a sort of, on tourism called the travelogue. And I have to say that I've learned a lot from the producer at that time um, who told me to remember, the ability of a journalist is to ask very short questions. Don't be the protagonist, you're not. You're just a means for the others actually to become the protagonist. Um, so that was the very first lesson about good journalists I've learned from the UK. Um, and I never forget that that teaching. And then I brought it with me uh, to Italy. And um, another thing I did, though, even though I haven't practiced much, since then, my job at the United Nations was different, but still, even there, it helped a lot, because as a leader, you have to communicate. Be that you go to a conference, be that you are, um, you know, convening an internal meeting with the with your staff, um, be that you have to interact with a minister, or some someone very, very, with with someone from a very humble, simple family that is in need of support and help. So. That's also part of being a leader and the part of being able to communicate, changing the kind of even terminology one uses, depending on the person you're dealing with, Um, because of maybe a different education or a cultural background, even age. If you talk to a child, you use a different kind of terminology, uh, then you're talking to a, an adult, for instance. So their communication too has to be revisited. Uh, if you are a teacher, you are communicating, you're sharing information, you have to use different techniques depending also on the age of your pupils or students, right? Uh, but one thing that, as I said, I haven't uh, used much, but I will go back there, is how you use the voice. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Uh, so, I took for two years acting courses and I became a dubber and a speaker. Uh, particularly, my voice is the right one to be a voiceover or give the voice to documentaries. All right. Wow. Um, this is my world but now. Carry there, on. you have to and know when to is... pause, when to accelerate, when you go up and down. And you have to give colors. Colors to the voice, because with it you can conquer the guts because people might not remember the words. As a journalist, we have to remember that. But people will remember the emotions. You have to get you have to get to the guts of people. And we are people, right? Ed I'm sure that you might not remember all the words of this conversation we're having now, but if it is a good one, you will remember a good feeling. Right. And then this will trigger in you the curiosity to know more about me or to know more about the subject we have, we're going to talk about and we're talking about again, Mm -hmm. curiosity.
0: Just on quickly, how has that made an impact of your communication? Because for me, without a doubt, the use of tone, without a doubt, when I practice on interviewing people like yourselves, but when I'm in like with a team environment, I've learned like a positive, buzz to keep people with a good morale it's not about what you say it's how you say it with the tone i'd love to last thing on the tone because you've sparked it and i've never gone deep on this on a podcast because most of the time we talk about the journey but now i'm speaking to you now in the in the moment from a skill perspective reflecting doing those um acting sort of classes on your tone how has that made an influence not just as a journalist but also being a leader as well with a team? It depends if you
1: can see the person or not. So now I'm talking about those who have no visual impairments. Okay. Be, it's, it is part of being, of having empathy to observe others while you're talking. I notice that sometimes the speakers, it seems they're talking to themselves. No, 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 no. You're there to be heard. And so your voice, like when, you know, you're an actor in the theater you 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 have to speak in such a way that the voice can reach the very last person in the re- very last row uh of the theater okay so not talking to him. no 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 you are there to 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 make sure that others uh are are with you so look at the people observe and that will help you also to understand if you have to accelerate or if you're speaking too fast, if you're boring, monotone, that is, with one tone of voice that after five minutes, oh my gosh, when is he or she going to, be, uh... yeah. Um, fall asleep. So that, that's, yes. So that's why the voice, the color, and the speed is important. Now, if you're working on radio, you do not see the others, you do not see the audience. And so there you have really to be able to master the speed and the voice and the tone. And some acting lessons here might be very useful. On the contrary, if one lead, is leading a meeting um, with a group of people or his or her employees or whatever, there uh, you are in the very same room. And again, a good leader listens a good leader listens of course you have to have a very clear frame you can give the frame within which then everyone can express its uh, you know his or her opinion and suggestion and all ideas are good in a brainstorming um but it has to happen within a frame because as a leader at the end you will be the final responsible person for the success or not of Whatever strategy you are suggesting is like a um, a coach, right? The coach has to have a strategy, a scheme. But then within that scheme, that strategy, it's about the football players to decide what are the best things to be done to reach the goal. So this is more or less how my style, not necessarily the is perfect, but I found it was working quite well.
0: Well, let's tap in today's podcast topic because it relates to leadership and it's actually inspired with the to your LinkedIn profile, which is what are the benefits of thinking differently with a purpose within sports and business? And, and that thinking differently with a purpose was your tagline. And I love to just dive into this because I think it's a fascinating motto, but I think it's so important to create new change in society or how we show up in the work we do.
1: Uh, You know, Ed, I try to apply this uh, to what I have been doing during the last 12 years. Uh, That is finding strategies, policies, tools uh, that make whatever decisions we take sustainable. So sustainability is the key. Whatever, you know, we have. If we have purpose in what we do, we would like that thing to last long, to to be sustainable, right? Uh, In my case, I apply this to the United Nations principles that I made my principles of sustainability. Um, And so um, if I get lost here, please uh, stop me.
0: No, 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 carry on. I think this is... Important with the sustainability, really quickly, I've had, sorry to interrupt, but I think I'll paint the pitch to the listener. A, very recently, a lot of special guests have used that word, and they're not talking about sustainability of the climate change. They're talking about businesses, they're talking about industries, being more efficient, being more efficiently run with the right people. So I think this is such a relevant point, and it's really honest. I'm talking about the last six podcast chats I've had, this word has come up. But in different sectors of the sports industry so what I'm trying to say is please carry on because it's so relevant to what you're saying and it relates to a generation side meaning you guys listeners you are part of this journey of the sustainability process so give you back the mic
1: thanks so uh, let me go back now for a moment to wear my former hat as a director at the United Nations, okay? And then I come back as the new Daniela since I, I opened a new chapter of my, of my professional life. In 2015, 194 countries, so many are the members of this organization the United Nations decided to adopt an agenda which is called the 2030 agenda 17 goals to be reached by the year 2030 and these goals once they they're going to be reached hopefully some others might take longer i'm afraid have to be sustainable to support you know to to be able to to keep evolving and support uh super themselves uh, without having constant uh if we think of of countries that are maybe um, from an industrial viewpoint underdeveloped uh, to to make uh, these countries uh, autonomous independent without having to wait for donors uh of rich for rich countries to, to provide them money or other kind of know-how, because they're not um, provided uh, the tools, uh, or from a cultural viewpoint, uh, are not um, appreciate appreciative yet of how important it is actually um, to become um, sustainable to sustain themselves without depending on the support of others. And uh, probably I fell in love with the, the concept of sustainability, even though this is not what the United Nations meant, but I expanded it. Uh, and I'm sorry if I go back to, to uh, you know my disability, which to me is an added value, actually, because uh, it allowed me to develop Some parts of my personality that otherwise probably I wouldn't have, such as the ability to listen, empathy, um, become stronger in the way I communicate, um, resilience. Very important. And sport also teaches us to be resilient. Um, But in order to be autonomous and independent, I had to learn ways to be able to sustain myself. Okay, so sustainability, I look at it from so different, many different angles. A good education allows us then to find a job. And by having a job, we have a salary. And so we can support ourselves, we can sustain ourselves in a way. Or even though sustainability from the UN uh, perspective is mainly uh, uh, looking at it from the various dimensions you mentioned, the social dimension of sustainability, the economic one, the environmental one. So how can we sustain a planet, if you think of the planet, The planet, you know, is not growing, but the the population in terms of numbers is growing. And so now we are about, what, 8 billion people living in the world. It's like, uh, you know, renting a studio. That's the planet for three people. And then after a few decades in that studio, in that small apartment, instead of three people, there are 300 This is what's happening. The planet is not growing, but we are growing as population. So what can we do? And sport here can also play a very important role. What can we do uh, to make sure that we do not exploit the planet as we're doing, but we, we are part of the planet. We are part of the nature. We are part of the environment. So what can we do in partnership with the planet to sustain the planet and to sustain ourselves as a community, and this this is what the twenty agenda, uh, the the twenty thirty agenda of the United Nations is about, with its seventeen goals. I do hope that um, uh, whether will you know these overarching policies consensus, uh, but above all the implementation that each country will decide to have, and as I said. Um, The 2030 Agenda and its preamble also acknowledges and stresses uh, the importance of of sport as an enabler of sustainable development and of peace. So I like very much uh, the fact that you and I met almost one year ago uh, during a very important conference that was focusing on the role of sport in all its various dimensions. And, And we know how... Many people of all ages enjoy sport, either by watching it or practicing it. And that's an amazing um, tool that we can all utilize uh, by doing what I call soft diplomacy. And there again, soft diplomacy requires leadership, empathy, curiosity, and so on and so forth. 100%.
0: Just touch on that. There's one phrase you said about better with regards to our resilient. Could you just touch on a bit on that from your personal experience, but also with regards to how we use sport as a tool for good and for development? I'd love to just dig in that little component because I think that's really important what you said.
1: So, uh, again, apologies to your listeners about my accent, but I do hope that they can more or less follow me. We said we want to have also some fun. So I give you fun for free because of my accent. <laughs> you know, Ed, when I, sorry, and then I answer rep- answer your question. Um, the first time I went to, to uh, the UK, actually, it was in England. I went to England, uh, nearby London. It's a city called the Swindon. I was 18 years old and I wanted to improve you know, my, my pronunciation. Um, my my teacher, she used to teach at court. Um, I think I told you the story. I'm not sure. Uh, sure. And so, well, she listened to me and then she said, and I ap- my apologies to the English mother tongue speakers now, okay? I'll try to do my best. Um, she said, do not roll your r's." do not move your hands and do not move the muscles of your face. Once you go back to the continent and she went on and on. So, so it has been amazing fascinating. fascinating. Um, and, you know, funny enough, when I am a tiny bit peeved or when, when there is something that I really, really think is very important, somehow the sort of Italian Brit accent comes out. Isn't that fascinating? Now, Coming back to us, um, if I think of youth and the question you you just asked me, I think that youth can foster positive change in sport development and peace through a very active engagement and advocacy. And I think with your podcast, you're doing that as well. Um, I think youth can lobby for increase the funding and you know, inclusive opportunities. And when I say inclusive, I mean gender, disability, rural, urban, underdeveloped areas, et cetera, et cetera. So, inclusive opportunities in sport programs and emphasizing its role in promoting physical and mental well being, as well as the important role sport plays in preserving the environment. As well as promote the economic growth, because if we create the jobs in the sport industry, then somehow we enable uh, young people—not only young people—but this is a message for young people that are facing so many difficulties in finding employment in Europe, at least. Uh, so we we can help to at least eradicate extreme poverty and reduce inequalities, and. Uh, and, and in this way, we can create activities, uh, serviti- services and products around uh, sport, keeping in mind that they have to be accessible and usable, leaving no one behind. And so by organizing intercommunity sport events at school or something more uh, professional, young people I believe can bridge uh, uh, divides and build friendships, and and contribute to 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 social cohesion. We need it, and and also to promote peace. And so I would like to to remember that sport is a very important, as I already said, soft diplomat, soft tool to promote that can help us actually to develop even more our skills to be diplomats or diplomatic. And, um, and then youth-driven campaigns on social media, platforms like yours Ed, I think can raise awareness about the transformat- uh, transformative power of sports in conflict resolutions and also peace building. And through collaboration with the policymakers, um, then youth can influence decisions that prioritize a sport education, access and values creating a harmonious environment that nurtures both athletic excellence, but also a peaceful coexistence, and we need it desperately.
0: 100%, and I'm going to have to jump in now because it was these conversations, everybody, if you're listening, and Daniela and I were having nearly most evenings when I was taking her to a taxi, Yeah, and we were talking of this type of conversation. I'm so grateful we've managed to... Literally have that conversation in Portugal and apply it in this podcast because for me, one, I hope this podcast is one of those bridges because it is accessible for all, but also from a actual application in the industry, it's really important. And just final thing, Daniela, because I think it's important because we haven't mentioned it. And I did a lot of sport policy when I was at Durham University and it's one of my favorite subjects. So, and you've worked with different policies just for people who want to work in that realm, what guidance tips would you give them with regards to applying effective policy? Like, what tips would you give from your experience? Don't need to give a case study, just best practice of good policy. And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I think this is so important from a youth perspective, getting in, but also how it's applied as well.
1: Oh my, there are so many interesting examples here, but uh, one, for instance, is in a country in, in Latin America Uh, they have decided to include the sports in their constitution. Oh, yeah. So knowing how important sport is, and please, um, I would like, um, talking about policies, I I would like to uh, bring to the attention of of your listeners uh, the definition of um, sport, of the Kazan Action Plan that I like so much. Uh sport is not only playing tennis, swimming or playing cricket. No, uh, when we talk about policies, um, because an action plan uses this term in, gener- in, in, in generic ways, because it comprises a sport for all, meaning physical play, recreation, dance, can be organized, can be casual, can be competitive, can be traditional, it includes indigenous sports and games in their different forms. so when we talk about sport, let's keep in mind that I at least am talking about this. Um, And so when it comes to policies, keeping in mind this definition of sport, uh, policies have to go from education, uh, sports should be inclusive at school. There are many countries where uh, if there are children who might have a disability, depending also on the kind of disability, and uh, you know uh, there is the physical education lesson and so on, they are not included in uh, in uh, in practicing that kind of uh, sport or physical activities or else. And this is a discrimination. I'm very much against the discrimination. I am for inclusion. So this is uh, something. That sport could be done in terms of uh, good policies of inclusion when it comes to education and school. And there are some good examples of various countries. So, one I said include the sport in the constitution. The other one could be make sure that the Minister of Education, talking about policies or overcomes this kind of exclusion. And then, uh, if you wish, Ed, we can have another meeting, another podcast one day. Um, And we just talk about good practices. I would invite in any case, your listeners to try to find, uh, uh, I think they are available online. I'm quite sure they are available online. The reports that I used to prepare with my team um, on behalf of the United Nations Secretary General on uh, sport for development and peace. And there, there are many good examples and good practices um, of of, uh, various policies on sport uh, that we can find uh, in uh, around the world but allow me to say um and i think you might be interested um about what could be qualities i think you you might be interested in that to make a positive impact in the sport industry because the sport industry you see um is also very important if we want to lobby with policymakers to make sure that good laws and good policies about sport are implemented. And there, again, I see the very important role of youth. Youth buy products and services from the sport industry. So youth can engage with the campaigns, and what I was mentioning earlier, et cetera, et cetera, to um, have conversations and create partnerships uh, with the private sector, and then encourage policymakers together, not a competition, but support policymakers in identifying which policies are required to make sure the sport is really sport for all in their country.
0: So I put you on the spot again, but you've just hinted it. Not it's not about competition. Would you just say it's all about effective collaboration for the greater good?
1: Absolutely, and this is and this is uh, at uh, uh, the Sustainable Development Goal seventeen of the twenty thirty agenda of the United Nations. It is all about partnerships and collaboration and cooperation, because we have different kinds of expertise, right? I'm not competing with your expertise. You're not competing with my expertise. But if we join our expertise. Wow, what a wonderful outcome. Much stronger, united we win.
0: (laughs) And it's a lot stronger in impact. Look, I hope the listeners are taking notes, enjoying this conversation. But just tell us a little bit, Daniela, what you're currently doing now, because you said you're the new Daniela. Give us a little hint on what you're doing. I'm curious.
1: All right. And so now I have um, created... uh, what uh, is called the Daniela Bas. And then it's a uh, sustainability advisory boutique. And guess, Bass B-A-S, if you read it at the opposite is S-A-B, sustainability advisory boutique. I had lots of fun to create it, you see, creativity. So for those who might not remember it, my family name is Bas. You just read it, reverse. It's S A B. All right. Um. Yeah. So, in this way, I I want to share my knowledge with the private sector, governments, NGOs, whoever might require it, to to make sure, really make sure that uh, the world applies uh, a concept very dear to me that is a social justice. And uh, and social justice has to be sustainable. So, since I am an expert on the social dimension of uh, sustainable development, um, I can share this knowledge, of helping uh, companies to align themselves to the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, to see, most probably, they are already doing lots on sustainability without being aware of it, um, or to strengthen those companies that are already doing it. I already got some requests from governments. They need also support there. Um, And uh, and then, you know, I can be a brand ambassador for those companies or groups uh, who are looking for someone with my skills. And of course, um, a speaker at conferences. So these are some of the um, services that I am offering in my heart. Because I I always say that we have to do things with purpose in my heart. I keep championing ed, uh, sport for all. I keep championing tourism for all. And definitely inclusion and reduce the gap of inequalities. I mean, these are things dear to my heart.
0: I can tell. I can even feel it in the energy of how you said those words. And main podcast topic with regards to having that purpose-driven drive. Daniela, out of interest, though, what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey looking back right now?
1: (laughs) Oh, I loved to be exposed to all those different cultures, nations and languages. I loved it. I just loved it. Um, I loved uh, all the traveling that that implied. It's not because of the traveling per se, but again, to discover the world. Um um and uh and, and whenever i saw that with my my work and the work of my teams we we were reaching some goals even small ones even small ones i knew that i did something good oh my gosh that was amazing and uh um i think the bible says don't let the left hand know what the right hand has done or something like that uh, so um, I don't want to list all the people I, I think I have helped throughout my life, but I have helped quite a few and uh, this gives me lots of joy, lots of joy. I was very lucky to have and still have amazing parents. Um, and they told me um, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you'll study, you'll do this and that, da 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 They supported me a lot. So they empowered me. And then they said, your turn when you're an adult will be to empower others. And that's what I'm trying to do, Ed, to empower others.
0: You're empowering me on this call and all those amazing conversations we had in Portugal. As always, Daniel, I like to finish with an inspirational question. And I love this from you because you're so good at it. And it's so natural to you. For the listeners to take action. I mean, after they listen to this, they put into action. What three tips would you give them to be a better communicator? What three tips would they be?
1: Okay, so you started this conversation with passion and talking about passion and purpose. So passion, yes, Um, genuine love for what we do because it fuels dedication and innovation and it really drives positive change in us and for others. Um, then one of the things I had to learn in life is adaptability. So, um, so we have to be able to embrace uh, evolving trends and technologies more and more. We are here now with your audience thanks to technology. So it's this is a very practical example. Um, so that this helps us to ensure relevance and also progress. And the third. Well, we said that, that United we can achieve more, so collaboration, right? Um, working with the diverse stakeholders, I believe cultivates holistic solutions and um, amplifies uh, the impact across the various various ecosystems you're working on, like sport, for instance. Yeah. So passion, adaptability collaboration
0: i love the third one the most out of all them because i think collaboration certainly i know we met with regards to the sport integrity week which was the sort of you know should we say the covid19 pandemic sort of cycle stage and it showed me now that collaboration is the way forward with the right people with the right values and with the right direction so hope people are taking notes on those but most important applying them Daniela, how can people interact with you online? like where are the best places to go?
1: Oh, thank you for this question. That's nice of you. Um for those who have LinkedIn, um then it's Daniela with one l um and then my family name. BAS, B A S, not B U S, B A S, okay, Bass, whatever you want to pronounce it. <laughs> okay. Um so so you can find me in LinkedIn. Um, or um one can look at my website uh, that is um Daniela Bass. Um and, and then as I said, sustainability advisory boutique. Or Daniela Bass. I remember the opposite of my family name. Family name S A B instead of Bass, so that you you will find me. And then there there is a way possibility the possibility through my website to send me uh, an email. And uh, there is also a gallery. And in that gallery, I'm very honored to have, for instance, a picture with uh, Her Majesty uh, the Elizabeth II, who invited me once at dinner. But that's another story. Oh yeah, she, she was an amazing, amazing, amazing human being, from my perspective.
0: Wow, that's a great story and wonderful to hear. Yeah, and and leader in my perspective as well, from from the from my experience uh, as a Elizabethan. They were saying from a generation style uh, perspective. But all the listeners listening in. Uh, Daniela's LinkedIn and website link will be on my website with us. This wonderful podcast conversation. Daniela, it's been a joy chat with you today. Thank you very much.
1: For me too. Thank you all. Ciao, Ed.
0: Well, there you have it for episode 350. I couldn't have been proud to have a special guest like Daniela to celebrate this milestone on the Sports Career podcast, but relating to this podcast, hope you've got a better understanding. Of empathy. I have to say that was probably my biggest takeaway from this conversation with Daniela of how empathy can influence and improve our communication skills and qualities when working in the sports industry or any sector in employability, by the way, but also that sustainability of being efficient in the work you do in the organizations you work for to create impact in what you do too. So For me, without a doubt, how passion in what you do with purpose. But just as Daniela said, always have that approach of collaboration because more gets done. You know, they always say two minds are better than one when collaborating in making an impact. And the work that Daniela's done throughout her career journey, from a leadership journey as well, it just inspires me and that's why I'm so fulfilled that Daniela was this week's special guest on a milestone because, particularly, talk about communication. It's talked a lot without a doubt, it's vital as a skill. It's been this podcast show. I'm gonna be so honest, me being dyslexic, this show has got me at my comfort zone in developing my communication skills. But having the ability to adjust your tone, adjust your speed, adjust your timing in certain situations in the employment world can be an effective way to get your influence your voice across the world with the impact you're trying to achieve so thank you so much for supporting this show if you've enjoyed it please leave an honest rating and review i'd much appreciate it but most importantly apply that one thing that one thing you've learned from daniela and apply it to your sports career development now and make it happen Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Daniela said, empathy with curiosity is a skill that can develop your communication skills with purpose in what you do towards your personal progress.